What's up, Coastal Community Church? My name is TJ. I'm one of the pastors here. We are so glad you are joining us online this weekend as we continue our series, Freeway. Man, I hope you have been enjoying this series and, and God has really been speaking to you and challenging you and changing you in some really, really interesting ways. I hope that you've been involved in our Freeway Connect groups. It's been an incredible time with our groups, learning and growing together with other people. We really believe as a church that the best way to move forward and grow in life is together. We believe the greatest life change in your life is going to happen in the context of relationship. And so I hope you've been enjoying this. And honestly, I cannot wait for uh, us to be worshiping again together soon. And uh, before we kind of dive into today, uh, my heart has been so heavy over the last couple of weeks over what has been happening in our nation, what has been happening even in our own community. And most of the time, I'm a, a, a guy that I don't like to jump in the middle of conflict. It's just not, like, I don't go looking for conflict. Uh, I don't try to be a part of conflict. Uh, but there's sometimes there's things that are just majorly, majorly conflicting inside of me. And, um, and, and I've been struggling because what's happening all around us with uh, George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and and in the countless other lives, really, really hits home for me. Uh, and the reason I say it hits home for me is because maybe you don't know my wife and I very well, but we, we had the opportunity to, to foster a child that we thought was, was going to be our own. And uh, even though he is no longer in our home, he is still our son. And uh, his name is Alexander. In fact, I have a picture of Alexander right here. And uh, this is Alexander. He was actually with me over a weekend, a couple of weekends ago, Shayla and I, and we were here at church as Shayla was doing the, the pre and post show, and we were in one of the kids' rooms. We were watching church, and we were playing with trains, and uh, we had a great, great Sunday as a family together. But the reason I, I show you this picture is because my son, Alexander, is black, and uh I'm very, very aware that I am white. And I've struggled with words of what do I say? How do I say it? How do I communicate in this season? Um, and I said last week as part of taking ownership, it may not be your fault and I don't believe what's going on in society today is my fault. But everything that's happening is my responsibility. I have a response. I have a reaction. I have an action. And so do you. And I wrote a letter to my son the, <laughs> the day I saw the video of George Floyd. And I just, I just put into words what was in my heart. And I just thought I would share them with you here today. He said, son, I love you more than anything in this world. I realize that no matter how much I try to set you up with an advantage in life, son, you're at a disadvantage. No matter how you're raised, how loved you are, how educated you are, how honoring, 
how polite, how respectful, how truthful, how joyful. You are going to be treated differently because of the pigmentation of your skin. Son, I don't understand this world. Because they won't take the opportunity to get to know you. They'll make a judgment about you without ever having a conversation with you. You're sweet, you're innocent, you're full of joy and love right now. But one day they won't see you as sweet and innocent and joyful and full of love. Some people will see you as a threat. Son, I'm sorry. Son, we've got to do better, be better, understand better, ask better questions, ask ourselves the hard questions. And I make a commitment to you that I'm going to do my best as a father to help educate and help people understand the realities of life that you begin with. And I understand that some of you right now, you're, you're pushing back. In fact, you're probably already shutting this off. I would encourage you not to do that. And here's what I know is that you're probably saying, I'm not part of the problem, TJ. I get that. But all of us can be a part of the solution. Every single one of us can be part of the solution because there is no reason this little boy or any other little boy or little girl should start with a disadvantage because of the color of their skin. And so I'm going to challenge you, church, to have some conversations with people, to listen to the plight of people, to listen to those that are hurting around you and hear their story. Because what you'll find if you actually take the time to listen to the story is you'll find that that sentiment is not an individual one, it's a corporate one. And we've got to do better at listening to the plight of people, hearing the pain of people and empathizing and sympathizing with them and going, what can I do to be a part of the solution? Because here's what I know about our Savior. He never ran away from people's pain. He always ran to it. God does not run away from messes. He sent his very son into it. And if that is the posture of our heavenly father, that should be the posture of us as Christ followers. Of how can I dive into your mess? 
How can I dive into your pain? And how can I help you in this situation? And so I, I, my prayer is, is that, that you'll hear my heart's in this, and I know that I'm not making politically correct statements right now. I'm not very good at being politically correct. Never have been. Don't ever probably plan on being. But what I do plan on being is more and more like Jesus. And my hope for you, church, is that you plan on being more and more like Jesus every day. And I've struggled because I, I, I tell myself I, I'm not prejudiced. I'm not racist. I'm not bigoted. But as I examine things in my life, I realize that there are areas where I fall short in every single one of those. But I'm committing to being better and doing better and listening better and becoming more and more like my Savior. And I want to challenge you to do the same. Now that I've got that off my chest, um, we're in a series called Freeway. And I, I know that that was super heavy, so I'm going to kind of change a little bit here now, if that's, if that's okay with you. And uh, I'm going to change, and I want to I talk about Freeway. And we've been in this process of how do we experience freedom? How do we move forward and live this life of freedom that Every single one of us desires in this life. Now, my wife and I, we bought a house about four years ago. And uh, when we bought our house, we had all these home improvement projects that we wanted to do. And when we first moved into our house, man, we were all about accomplishing these projects. We probably had 37 projects that we wanted to accomplish. We got in. We did about 35 of those projects. You guys all know what I'm talking about. And there's the last two or three that uh, have kind of like, we got those first ones done. And then these other ones have just kind of been sitting off to the side like, this was good enough. This was fine enough. This was perfect enough. And we just kind of pushed them off. But now that we've been in our house for a little bit longer, uh, we're getting to the point where those projects that we have pushed off, are no longer just like projects that we should do. They become projects that are like necessary because we've neglected those projects for so long that now they become a problem. Come on, all of you homeowners there that are watching online, I mean, throw up that hand emoji. If you've got some issues with your home that it's easier just to uh, not do anything about and the longer you let them go, they just seem to get worse and worse and worse until they're not really a project anymore, they're a problem. And I think that what happens in life is we all experience that. And, and here's what I know is that I am great at uh, building things. You give me a, an empty platform, I can build you anything when it comes to construction. The problem is, is I'm not very good at the mechanical aspect of construction. You want me to build you a kitchen cabinet? Man, I can build you a kitchen cabinet. The problem is, is when that cabinet needs to go in and there needs to be electrical and plumbing in there, I can't do any of it. And, and I'm not very good at it. And so therefore, I neglect those aspects because I'm not very talented in that area. And then when I do step out to try to do it, I put on the YouTube videos. I go, man, there's got to be some steps here that I can do. And here's what I've learned about construction in life. Here's what I've learned about home improvement in life is that every single home improvement project that I have ever gone to do is way more painful than I ever thought it would be. Like, 
If you've ever tried to live in a house while you remodel it, it is a painful experience because it's always a mess. The other thing that I've learned is it's going to take way longer than you've imagined. If you imagine that project was going to take you two weeks, it will end up taking you six weeks. I, I, I've never known a home improvement project that took you less time than what you put out there for. Like, you're like, I'm going to get this done in a week, and you finished in three days. Never happened. The third thing that I've learned about home improvement is that whatever tool you're going to need to finish that project, like that is going to be the tool that is missing from your repertoire. Like if you need a 1 16th drill bit, you're going to have every other drill bit known to man in your toolbox except for that one tool bit you need to finish that project. And the reason I'm talking about this is because I feel like in this series, what has been happening is there has been this spiritual and soul home improvement project that has been going on in our lives. And God is doing some renovation in our heart. And right in the middle of it, you need to know that it's going to be a lot more painful than you ever expected it. To be, And you want to know why? Because God is starting to rearrange some things. He's starting to change some things. He's walking down, knocking down some internal walls. He's uh, putting some things. He's taking some things that were in your home, out of your home, and he's replacing it with something new and something better. In fact, it's kind of like the old song that Miley Cyrus came up with. He's coming in like a wrecking ball. That's what it feels like in some of our souls. It's like he just swung in and just knocked everything over in life. The other thing I know is that, man, it's taking a lot longer than we ever thought it was going to take. We thought God should just come in and change things, and it would be like instantaneous remodel, and changing things in your soul seems to take a whole lot longer. It's more like not a week or a month project, but like a lifetime project. And number three is that you just don't seem to have the right tool to fix yourself. Because the reality is, is what I need, and I'm going to guess that you need, is you need Jesus to fix some things that you're unable to take care of by yourself. Because you've tried to fix it, and you just can't. And all of us, were looking for this freedom in life, and that's what this whole series is about. It's, a, it's about us becoming aware of the mess that's in our lives and realizing that God wants to dive right into the middle of that mess. And as we start to analyze and, and become aware of the mess that's there, we're going to discover some hurt and some pain and some grief and some shame that is there. And, and we're not just supposed to just see it, but we're supposed to become very, very aware of it and go, man, this is, this is actually here in my life. And we discover those things. Things. And what a lot of us want to do at that moment when we discover those things is we want to run away. We, we just want to close those doors, but we talked about it last week that we need to take ownership of those areas. We have to get to this place where we stop blaming God and others for our circumstances. And we have to go, you know what? Those things have happened in my life and I have to own my response. I have to own how I'm going to move forward in life. And at the end of the day, it may not be your fault. But your life is your responsibility. And God wants us to grab hold of that responsibility. And that's what ownership is all about. And this week we're gonna talk about one of the most critical and important things in life. And that is this idea of forgiveness. Because the journey of freedom goes through the door 
of forgiveness. And I believe that God wants us to realize and recognize some things. And, and if we're going to get to freedom, step six, we've got to go through step four, which is all about forgiveness. And we're going to be looking at a story in John chapter eight. And in John chapter eight, we've got a couple of characters in, in this story. First, we, we have a person that is a done something wrong and is very aware of their guilt. They're very aware of their shame. And then there's another group of people that uh, they have done something wrong as well, but they feel no guilt. They feel absolutely no shame. And then you have Jesus, who is right there in the middle of both of these groups, speaking to both sides of the story. John chapter 8, starting in verse 2, it says this, At dawn he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him. And he sat down to teach them. See, in Jesus' day, a rabbi, when students would come in, a rabbi would not stand and the students would sit. The rabbi would actually sit and the students would sit because this would not be a 20 or 30 minute message or a 35 minute message. This would be like an all day affair. Like, in fact, I thought we should maybe try this here. I'm gonna grab a chair and we're just gonna spend the rest of the day online together and I'm gonna teach and you're gonna listen. It's gonna be great. Just kidding, we won't do that. I know some of y'all are like, I'm out. But, but here's what we're gonna do. And, and so this is what's going on. Uh, it's having a formal kind of class session that is taking place and he sits down and an important detail here is because this is important. Like what is about to happen should have never happened in this situation, but it does. It says the teacher of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery. They made her stand before the group and said to Jesus, teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law of Moses, command us to stone such women. What do you say? In other words, they're asking Jesus, what, what is your thoughts on this? Where do you stand in this situation? And everybody always wants to know, where does Jesus stand in those situations? It says they were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis of accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. They kept on questioning him. He straightened up and said to them, let any of you who is without sin... Be the first to throw a stone at her. It says, again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. It says, at this, those who heard began to go away one at a time. The oldest ones first. Until only Jesus was left with the woman still standing there. It says, Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said. Then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. What's interesting is he says to this lady who has been caught in the act of adultery, he says, woman. Woman was a term of endearment. It was a term of honor. It's a great reminder that our sin, our mistakes, our screw-ups, our mess-ups in life do not make us a second-class citizen in the eyes of God. 
He refers to this woman in a a very honoring and life-giving way. So this is an interesting story. I mean, lots of different people, lots of characters, lots of moving parts. But I want to look at a couple things when it comes to forgiveness. And the first one is this. Forgiveness means I live in the hope of today, not the hurt of yesterday. Forgiveness means I live in the hope of today, not in the hurt of yesterday. Now, if you've grown up in church or you've been around church any period of time, you've probably heard this story before. And if you think about the woman in the story, even though this story is a trap, the reality is is that she has been caught in the act of adultery. Uh, There's no way around that. There's no like denying that this woman was in that place and she's caused some hurt in some people's lives and she's, uh, it's obvious that either she was married or the man that she was having an affair with was married. It's quite possible that both of them are married so now we've got some other individuals involved in this situation. Uh, it's possible that the reason they were connected is because both of their families were friends and so now you have family dysfunction that's going on. Maybe these, these people were there and uh, so you have another husband that's hurt. You have another wife that is hurting in this situation and, uh, and, and so maybe they've got a lot of mutual friends so there's all kinds of hurt here uh, and, and so what we need to understand is that when we have, make mistakes when we sin it does not happen inside of a little bubble and only impact us. It actually has a much, much broader impact. It has a lot of pain and a lot of shame that impacts a lot of different people uh, in life. Now I'm just wondering, for those of you that are with us online here today, um, have you ever thought that in life that maybe there was this person that you could count on, someone that you made a promise and uh, you said, hey man, will you stand with me? Will you do this with me? And after they made those promises, they broke those promises. Anybody ever experienced that? I'm sure a few of us have done that. Have you ever had a friend take a secret that you gave to them in confidence and then them expose it to other people? Have you ever had someone that was entrusted, uh, you entrusted something with them to care for it and then they broke that trust and they hurt you in some of the deepest ways? Maybe you've had a business partner who gained your trust and then exploited you. What I know is that if you live in this life long enough, there are going to be some people that will hurt you. What I know is that if you live on this earth long enough, there are going to be people in life that will eventually betray you. The crippling reality of being human and and being a part of society is that people will hurt you and if you don't do something with that hurt, that person that hurts you is going to assault you for the rest of your life whenever that thing comes into your mind. And what some of us have done with hurt and with pain is we have tried to manage that hurt and that pain and that bitterness without extending forgiveness to the person that hurt you. And the hard thing about all of this is that it's really, really easy to be justified for your hurt because they really did hurt you. 
You may feel like I have every right not to forgive that person who hurt you. But what you need to know about that bitterness that is stemming and growing and being cultivated in your heart is that that bitterness and that hurt and that pain will contaminate everything. It will not stay just in that little box that you put it in that is uh, just for that person that hurt you because that deep hurt and that root and that bitterness cannot just be kept to an isolated situation. It spreads to all of your relationships and left unchecked will eventually destroy everything in life that is important to you. Sometimes you don't forgive people for their sake. You forgive other people for your sake. You forgive others for your freedom and understanding that how God has received you and how he has Forgiven you will allow you the power to forgive them. And so many times we forget about the fact that God has forgiven us of so much that we need to continue to extend that forgiveness to other people. Because God says, man, I'm gonna forgive you despite of you, despite of how you've treated others and done, I'm gonna give that to you. And, and the power to forgive only comes through the realization of how much God has forgiven you. It's easy to forgive others when you realize how much you've been forgiven. That's why Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32, it says, be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other, right, just as Christ God forgave you. You've heard the phrase before, hurt people hurt people. And it's true. Some of you You've been hurt so bad and you turned around and you know what you've done? You've hurt other people. But what's equally true is free people should free people. And while the act of forgiveness may not erase the hurt from your past, The act of forgiveness will erase the power that that hurt has over you. And so we can't live in the hurt of yesterday, but we have to live in the hope of tomorrow. Number two, forgiveness means I embrace my forgiveness for my own sin. Forgiveness means I embrace forgiveness for my own sin. And I'm going to tell you, I debated whether to put this first or to put the other point first because, honestly, uh, I've seen it happen both ways in my life. How do I extend forgiveness until I've received forgiveness for my own sin? But the reality is, is well, while theologically most of us know this, forgiving ourselves a lot of times is the most difficult part. We understand that God has forgiven us, but isn't it hard, church, to forgive yourself? And I want to go back to the story in John chapter 8 because it's an amazing story about failure and abuse and shame, but it's also this amazing, amazing, amazing story about grace. And if you were to go back to the story and Jesus sits down and he's about to formally teach and And this woman gets brought in 
to a public forum. And from this moment on, this woman will be known as an adulteress, right? I mean, like it's out there for everybody to see. Everybody just sitting there watching the scene. Just think about it. Every time she goes into town to go to the market, there's going to be people whispering behind her back. When she walks by at the mall, people are going to be saying some words about her. When her name is mentioned in a sentence, people automatically are going to think back to this moment where she's dragged in front of a rabbi and his students. And isn't it true that moral failures always seem to find an easy recall in life? It's even easier to recall that when that moral failure is not your own moral failure, but somebody else's moral failure. But when it is your moral failure, man, it's, it's like, I don't really want that to come back up. And so she's dragged in front of Jesus, and what does Jesus do? It's subtle. But he stoops down, and he writes in the stand. And honestly, this is one of the greatest mysteries in, in all of Scripture. One of the, 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 the top things that I'm going to ask God when I get to heaven is, like, what in the world did Jesus write in the sand? Because that's what we all want to know. Like, what was he writing in that moment? And people debate this. Uh, they, they say maybe he was writing the Ten Commandments. Maybe he was writing the sins of other people. Uh, maybe, maybe he was writing the mistresses of, of those people that brought this woman there. We don't really know what he was writing, but here's what I know. Whatever he was writing, I would want to get out of there before he started writing something about me. That's all I know. It's like, because it says the oldest started leaving to the youngest, meaning the, the older people picked up what was going on. They're like, oh, I don't want no part of this. And they're like, I'm out. And, and so that's what's going on. But what we do know about this situation is Jesus is helping them see the truth about themselves. And we said all along in this series, the truth about me and the truth about you is we don't really know the truth about us. And here's what I know is, is if we begin to face the truth about us without the power of Christ at work in our life, man, it is daunting, it is overwhelming, it is something that we will just run and hide from. But here's what I do know, if we face the truth of Jesus with Jesus, the truth about us with Jesus, that healing and help is available for us. And we don't know exactly what happens, but he begins to help them face the truth about themselves. And he says, you know what? If you want to throw a rock, if you want to stone this woman, for anybody that hasn't messed up, you go ahead and toss the first stone. In other words, he's going, you know what? Sinful people aren't really in a position to judge the sins of other people. So why don't you go ahead and put that stone down? And one by one, they start dropping the stones. And now Jesus and this woman who was caught in sin She's sitting there with the only one 
that actually has the right to stone her. The one who has never sinned, the one who has never messed up, the one who has never screwed up. And she's sitting there in the midst of her shame and her pain. And he asked her this question, where are your condemners? Is there no one left to condemn you? And what he says next, and I want to isolate the scripture, because you need to remember this. If you've ever wondered how God feels about you in the midst of your screw-ups and your mess-ups in life, it's this in John chapter 8, verse 11. Jesus would say to you, neither do I condemn you. Go and leave your life of sin. If you've ever wondered how God feels about you when you fail, when you screw up, you need to read this, you need to memorize this, you need to reframe this in your mind, you need to drink from this, you need to stand underneath this. You, let, you need to allow this to wash over your soul here today, church. You're not guilty. But not only that, in Romans chapter 8, verses 33 through 35, he says the same thing. He says, who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. And then it says this, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? In other words, it's already been determined through Jesus that you're not guilty. What can separate us from his love? There's nothing that can stand in the way of his not guilty verdict. And maybe you're sitting there today and in your home next to a loved one or maybe you're sitting there by yourself, isolated. And I don't know who you identify more with in this story. I don't know if you identify more with the crowd who's ready to toss the stones and condemn somebody rather than forgive somebody or maybe you identify with the woman who's been in a cycle of sin and doesn't know how to break that cycle. Or maybe you're out there and you identify with both. Because even though there's some stuff that you feel guilt and shame over, you tend to pick up rocks and throw them at people because it distracts you from what's really going on in your life. Let's just say here today you identify with the crowd and you're having a hard time getting over the fact that somebody has hurt you. They've betrayed you. They went behind your back. Someone stabbed you in the back. And now you want justice. You want them to pay for what they did. You want to throw the rock. You want to condemn. I want you to pause here for a second. I want you to realize you can do that. It is a free world. But you got to go back to the question, to where Jesus prompts us, he who is without sin cast the first stone. Maybe today you need to think about that. 
And you need to pump, ponder that. Maybe this is the prompt you need to put that stone down that you're carrying. Maybe against your mom. Maybe it's against that abusive spouse. Maybe it's from that teacher. Maybe it's from that person that broke your heart in that relationship. Maybe it's from that coworker that, that kind of submarines you so they could get that job promotion that you were due for. I don't know who it is or what it is, but you've had it for so long and you've been carrying it around so long in life. And you've been holding onto this rock, this weight, that you're just, you're just ready to, to chunk and chuck at anyone because you want them to pay. You want somebody to pay for the injustice that happened in your life. And here's what I know. The longer you hold onto that rock, the colder your heart is going to become. Until one point, if you let it go long enough, it will become cold and hardened, just like that rock you're holding in life. Because that rock, that bitterness cannot just stay in an isolated situation. It will spread to every aspect of life. And maybe today, with God's help, what you need to do is you need to put the stone down and focus on the forgiveness that you have received from God himself and begin to extend that forgiveness to those who you never thought you could. Because here's what I know, as long as you hold on to what you don't need, you have no opportunity to receive what you do need from God. As long as your hand is full of that hate and that bitterness and that revenge, you cannot receive the forgiveness and the grace and the mercy that God wants to place in your hand because it's already full of something else. So maybe you identify with the crowd or maybe you identify with the woman who feels like life is wrecked. And maybe you're watching today and you're unbelievably thirsty for God's grace. And I know this may seem odd to you, but the safest place you can run to when you are guilty is into the arms of Jesus. Because given the opportunity, God will choose the path of forgiveness every single time in life. And I think God's got a message for you today. And it's not a message that's written in the sand. It's a message that was written on the cross. And he's not writing it with his hand. He's written it in his blood. And it's not just a message of not guilty. It's the message of you're not guilty. And some of us today, what we need to do is we need to place that rock at his feet. Some of us, we need to place our guilt and our sin at the feet of Jesus and Jesus paid the price so we could have the opportunity and the availability to receive his grace and his forgiveness. And all we have to do is let go of what's in our hand to receive it from him. Will you guys bow your heads and close your eyes with me online right there where you are? Why don't I just give you a second to reflect on God's forgiveness. Because I got to believe that there's some of you that are watching online right now 
And if you and I were to have a conversation, you don't really know who or what you're trusting here today. And every one of us in life, we've got to figure this out. It's this, is where am I going to place my trust? Am I going to place it in good works? Am I going to place it in my success? Am I going to place it in a human relationship? And I'm wondering today, maybe for the first time ever, would you be willing to place your trust in Jesus? And say, Jesus, I want to lay down all of these things at your feet that I've been holding on to. And I want to receive the thing that I've been searching for for so long. I want to receive forgiveness. And I want to receive hope. And I want to receive peace for tomorrow instead of regret from yesterday. And it's really simple. It begins with a simple prayer of you going, Jesus, I need you. God, thank you so much for sending your son to die on a cross, to pay a debt that I deserve for my sin and my shame, for my problems and my issues, however you want to frame that up, that you would take all of that on. And you don't write in sand where it can be washed away. You wrote in your blood that I am forgiven, that I am free, that I am whole, And that I am well. God, today I receive your mercy and your grace and your forgiveness. God, I release those that have hurt me so I can receive all that you have for me. It's in Jesus' name that I pray. Amen. If you just made that prayer and you just said that in your heart or maybe said it out loud there in your car or living room or watching online on YouTube, here's what we'd love to do. We'd love to celebrate that decision that you just made. We'd love to get some tools and some resources in your hands to help you on this journey of following Jesus all the days of your life. And so if you would just take a moment and put a little hand emoji up there in the chat, whether you're on uh, coastalcommunity.tv slash online or you're watching on Facebook or on YouTube, we would love to celebrate that with you because you made the greatest decision that you could ever make. Not only that, but we would love to help you in this journey of faith. Listen, church, I believe that our best days are ahead of us, that as we continue to strive towards this path of living free, that God wants to set us free. He wants to help forgive us of everything that we've done and everything that's happened to us and allow us to forgive others so that we can move forward and experience the freedom that he has for every single one of our lives. Church, I love being your pastor. I cannot wait to worship back in person here at our facilities here in a couple of weeks. And man, the best days are ahead of us. God bless and have a great weekend.